Okay, it's time for the first blue-white breakdown of 2021. I'm excited about it. A lot to talk about here on the Penn Live Penn State Football Podcast. I am Bob Flounders, joined remotely, as always, by Greg Pickle. First of many podcasts to get to this year. As we like to say, Greg, there's really never a slow period for Penn State's football program. I think that's always going to be the case. We've had some news since we last chatted. That was way back in 2020. We also got a chance, Greg, to look at the uh, national, the NCAA playoff semifinals with some, at least one, I think, interesting result. We can get to that. I hope the start of 2021 is better for you than the majority of 2020 has been for all of us. How are you holding up? We're off and running, Bob. It's been such an interesting kind of news cycle for the Penn State football program. You know, we used to spend January either just finishing up bowl season or looking ahead to the traditional signing day or talking about guys leaving for the NFL draft. And we're all still doing all that stuff. But now we also have this new factor in the mix this year, which, of course, is waiting for guys to decide whether or not they're going to use an extra year of eligibility or not that was granted to them because of the coronavirus pandemic. So that's added another layer to things as well. Obviously, we got news over the weekend on the three Castro Fields front for that matter. I was, I was surprised, honestly, I was. And if you listen to the last episode of the Blue White Breakdown that you and I did, I mean, I think we were both pretty gone, yeah. Pretty well thinking that he would uh, not come back for another season, but he will. So uh, good news, I guess, for Penn State. Obviously, that corners room was very thin at times this year. And even though Tariq warmed up before at almost every game, if not every game, he didn't see the field much in the second half of the year. So we'll see how that shakes things up. They also, of course, uh, Penn State brings in John Dixon. But, Bob, let's just talk quick, I guess, about your initial reaction to the Castro Fields news and what it means for this season. I would have wagered a significant amount of, amount of money that Penn State had seen the last of Tariq Castro Fields. So he's coming back. It, it's going to be his fifth year. You can say what you want about whether the year counts. But this will be his fifth season at Penn State. He played as a true freshman in 2017. He was a big get in that class. He played very well when he was healthy at Penn State. The reason I think that I felt so strongly about it is, Greg, I honestly can never recall a situation where a Penn State player was literally a game-time decision, a game-time decision, in the words of James Franklin, for five straight weeks. He played against Maryland in the Maryland Luck. We never saw him again, but you and I would be at Penn State games. You were at the Nebraska game, and he would warm up. And he would look pretty good. He would look pretty uh, pretty light on his feet. And then, you know, they'd go into the locker room, and the next thing you know, he's in street clothes or he's in Penn State warm-ups. And there's no doubting he was hurt. But I just – to hear James Franklin say every week he was this close to playing, and then for him not to play for five weeks, I just could never really understand that. And I thought maybe he's a guy that certainly has an NFL future, and maybe he's just trying to play it smart and play it safe. and. You know, he played for so long, there's enough tape out there on him. I just, I was trying to connect the dots and saying, well, he's going to take his best shot at the next level. But it turns out that was not the case. So I was absolutely wrong. I'm 
it's obviously a big deal for Penn State and their secondary, which now at the corner position, when they played a lot of the year with just three corners, if he's healthy and Jerry, uh, Joey Porter Jr. is healthy and they have Marquise Wilson and hopefully a Keaton Ellis who was healthy because he had problems getting on the field in, in 2020. And it gave a chance for somebody like Daquan Hardy. So now, you know, in a perfect world, given 100% health, you could say Penn State's got five corners they trust. And uh, that's going to be important because safety, I don't think, is nearly as secure of a position. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. I remember when you texted me that news, I think it was on Saturday. It really caught me by surprise. But good on Penn State. Good on Tariq Castro-Fields. I think you would agree, Greg, when he's been healthy, he's been a good player. But health the last two years has really sabotaged maybe his effectiveness. So we'll see what 2021 looks for Tariq. We're still, Greg, awaiting news, I think, on two players, at least. Who knows? But Jahan Dotson, the wideout. And also, I would throw I would throw uh, Rasheed Walker into that conversation as well. I've seen a lot of talent evaluators at the NFL. I've seen uh, a lot of dra- mock drafts that go two rounds. And he's mentioned. So I, I think that he does have a serious decision to make. Jahan Dotson could be the victim of a numbers game. We just remember how effective he was this year, Greg, and the numbers he put up in just, it was actually nine games. So, so actually Tariq Castro-Fields was a game-time decision for six games, not five games, which is even more astounding. But the numbers are great. I don't know if he can duplicate them, but there are a lot, of, as, we, as we've seen with the Heisman Trophy announcement, Greg, there are a lot of good wideouts that are NFL-ready. Alabama has probably a slew of them. Maybe that's influencing Jahan Dotson's decision. He's a good receiver, but he could get lost in the shuffle a little bit. As we get closer to the middle of January, which is usually right around the time these kids firm up their decisions, are you leaning in a different direction with either Jahan or Rasheed Walker, or do you think they're legitimate 50-50 calls, or maybe in the case of Jahan, 60-40? Yeah, I would just be surprised, I think, at this point, Bob, if both of those guys did not come back. You know, we saw Shaka Tony and Jason Alway over the last 72 hours since we got into the first full week of January signed with agents and a lot of guys who are making that jump to the next level have already made that call not just to do it but to sign with an agent and basically you know set the path of no point of return so you know I I think there's still a chance of course until they tell us one way or the other there's still going to be a chance that these guys decide to move on but I'm just starting to get the feeling more and more that that's not going to be the case we'll see you know I think with Dotson you're right and you know I just wonder too is and again we're talking about this on Jan 6. I have a pretty good feeling that the NFL will find some way to have a combine, Bob. But what if they don't? Yeah. Do guys have to take that into account and say, well, you know what? I don't know how this is going to work because of obviously all the restrictions that are in place uh, with everything that's going on. So maybe that plays a factor in guys waiting a little bit to make up their mind as well. But yeah, at this point, I would be surprised if either left. And I would not be surprised if neither one of them came out with some kind of an announcement declaring that they're staying in school. They just kind of let it roll over uh, until we see them either at spring practice or some kind of other team event. So we'll see. But yeah, at this point, I think obviously Shaka moving on was no surprise. Jason always same thing. Pat Fryermuth, of course, obvious one there. Uh, but with Walker and Dotson, then it's taking a little bit long to hear anything official. Yeah. Uh, is not really something that's shocking. And again, I will not be 
uh, blown away if we don't hear anything official, but they just stay and don't feel the need to announce that. They're both kind of that uh, type of person, I think, who might not just have any interest in putting some kind of a statement out there. So we'll see. But yeah, I think at this point, you have to be feeling pretty good about the fact that they are going to be part of a 2021 Penn State football team that already has a ton of losses personnel-wise. So uh, anything they can get with keeping guys around, I think is going to be very beneficial. Greg Pickle, you went too far with feeling pretty good. I know the minute this podcast is produced, one of these two guys is going to make a decision that probably catches us a little bit off guard. Hopefully, if they make a decision, it won't be right after we finish this podcast. I think, Greg, we should also mention Jaquan Brisker. I don't think he's officially made a decision. The reason I bring him up, he's a senior, only played two years at Penn State, Juco player, talented player from Western PA, has a senior bowl invite. And normally we just assume, hey, senior bowl invite, he's gone. But I believe Tariq Castro-Fields had a senior bowl invite as well, and he chose to return. So Jaquan Brisker is a guy that probably we should also mention in this conversation because after Tariq Castro-Field made the decision to come back, I don't think anything would catch us uh, too surprising. To tell you what, Greg, if he decides to come back, then I think the secondary of Penn State starts to get pretty interesting because then they would have a talented safety returning to go with the corners. Pro, I think it was pro football focus had Brisker as an All-American. At safety, I know he played very well the last month of the season. He certainly can run. He can certainly jump. He was on Bruce Feldman's uh, freaks list for a reason. Penn State obviously likes him a lot. So we should probably just keep our uh, ears to the ground with regard, Greg, to Jaquan Brisker. Greg, we're, we're moving right along here on the blue-white breakdown. Just to change it up a little bit, we want, I want a couple things I wanted to run by you, but the last time we would talk, we were anticipating, I think, that Makai Flowers would uh, align himself with Penn State. Uh, the Steel High Star, I believe, did so on Friday. So I know you weren't surprised, but with, the, with his addition, just kind of spin it forward for some Penn State fans that maybe didn't hear us or doesn't, they don't know much about the Harrisburg area player. What is Penn State getting in Makai Flowers? A pretty big wideout prospect, I believe. How do you see him, and how do you think that impacts the class he's signed? He's committing to, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a guy who Penn State's been after for quite some time. A number of other schools were as well. Uh, maybe didn't have as many of the big name offers as you might expect for a player that's ranked as high as him. But perhaps those will come in down the road. Perhaps most schools just felt like. He was a foregone conclusion to Penn State and didn't bother to offer. Maybe there's something else going on. Who knows? But, you know, I do think that with Mekhi Flowers, you're getting a guy who is able to work in the return game. He can play defense and he's not afraid to hit people. He can play offense and he can obviously go get the football and run away from uh, defenders at the high school level. So the question, of course, will just be, does that single A, uh, class A experience, the class 2A experience, a lot of what they play in Steel High, is that, is that, should that quickly translate to the next level or does he need some, will he need some time to get adjusted to Big Ten football? We'll see. Um, really, really hoping that there are camps this summer for these guys, especially, and I think he's one of them to get out and kind of showcase what they can do against more similar competition to their skill level. So we'll see. But yeah, you know, Penn State, 
for all the struggles in the class of 2021. They've really picked things up nicely here in the 2022 class, number two in the country as we talk about this, number two in the Big Ten. Uh, and I think there's going to be some heartburn in this class down the road because assuming these kids can take visits again, Bob, I don't think that it's reasonable to assume that not one guy from this class is either going to flip or get darn close to doing it because he could finally go see a school that may have also been a finalist. But uh, I guess if you flip it to the glass half full side of things, they can't be off to a much better start. I mean, they have one three-star in the class. It's Bo Prabula, the quarterback from Central York, who's going to be a four-star before this thing is all said and done. So, uh, you know, and I think they have a couple of guys who can be stretched toward that five-star conversation in the spring and summer. So uh, we'll see where they go from here. But, yeah, getting Flowers was a good get for Penn State. Adds another really talented receiver to that room. And as we've talked about before, if assuming these guys sign uh, Flowers, uh, Caden Saunders, and Anthony Ivy from Mannheim Township, assuming all these guys sign, Taylor Stubblefield is going to have a load of young talent to work with for years to come as the receivers coach. And I think that uh, Flowers is just another one of those names to add to the list. Okay, let's talk now about something we'll be talking about quite a bit, the transfer portal and how Penn State is faring in that. Greg, I think most Penn State fans realize that one of the reasons Ohio State is in the national championship game is because of their ability to convince some major, major athletes, big-time athletes, to come to their program. They got Justin Fields, the one-time Penn State verbal to go from Georgia to Ohio State and see how that's worked out for the Buckeyes. Their backup running back from Oklahoma, Trey Sermon, is now their starting running back, and he has been a handful in recent games. Another transfer portal guy, James Franklin, has talked about finally putting a greater emphasis on athletes in the transfer portal, putting a greater emphasis on maybe attention to that part of the game, especially this year where. It's essentially the wild, wild west. If a guy wants to transfer, he can play immediately. I'm looking at my list, Greg, and you can update it for me. Penn State's got a, a kid from Duke, a kid from Temple, a kid from Baylor. Is there a fourth one? A kid from – is there another school that they got a Yeah, so uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce, but the one that we haven't <laughs> talked about yet is Arnold Ebiketti, I believe it is, the Temple defensive end picking Penn State last if I'm not mistaken, Bob, it was last Friday. All the days kind of yeah. just run together now. But uh, is there a fourth day? Uh, yeah. So you have uh, you have the Temple defensive end. You have John yeah. Dixon, the South Carolina corner. Oh, South Carolina, right? Yep. Baylor yeah. and Duke. You got it. Yes. So, I was just trying to weigh those four with getting kids from Georgia and Ohio State. I th- that's the point I'm trying to drive home. Is I don't doubt these guys can help Penn State, but can they help Penn State? the way that Ohio State's getting help in the transfer portal. I'm glad they're they're getting some reinforcements. They certainly need some. But I just wonder how – those. let's put it this way, Greg. Of the four guys that they've gotten so far, is there a leader in the clubhouse, a guy that you like the most out of that group? Well, I think when you look at Penn State's roster makeup right now, with Castro Fields back, getting a corner uh, that's not a grad transfer helps, but it's not – 
you know, it was not maybe as the most urgent thing they needed this offseason. Same thing at running back, a grad transfer who can come in and, yeah. and be more of that on-field veteran presence guy that, that Journey Brown would have been had he unfortunately not had to medically retire. So I think that helps. But again, it wasn't, I don't think, something that was super urgent. When you look at the other two guys in the defensive lineman, I mean, clearly I think everyone, is, P.J. Mustafers looks like a starter. I, I think with Tangelo, he's probably the favorite to be the starter too, and they need that experience at defensive tackle. But to me, it's the Temple defensive end, and it's not particularly close. I mean, this is a guy who was an all-AAC pick, or a second-team all-AAC pick this past season, really kind of came on for the Temple Owls. And, Bob, they needed a defensive end that could come in and play starter reps for I just don't see any way around it. After Adisa Isaac, I just what do you have that you trust in right. that room at this point? There's just not anyone. And Isaac himself even hasn't played a ton. So to me, that's the most impactful transfer that Penn State has picked up so far. We'll see who else comes in. Obviously, everyone wants to talk about quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Go find a quarterback. But, well, A, it's not that simple. And B, did you see, speaking of quarterbacks, I'll just take a quick detour here. Did you Good. see that? FanDuel's, uh, you can get 30 to 1 on Sean Clifford to win the 2021 Heisman, Bob. Will you be betting it, yes or no? 30 to 1? Yeah. It's a solid price on Sean. And you know what? I would expect him and Will Levis to play better in 2021. But if I'm going to be honest, I, I would not take 30 to 1 on that wager. I think he might have been less than 30 to 1 going into 2019 to see. Right which kind of says it all about Penn State's four and five campaign. But yeah, the fans keep wondering, they don't grow on trees. The five-star transfer portal quarterbacks, they, they're not giving them away free at the airport. I mean, there's only a couple of them. Usually it, it's a really crazy situation and they don't always work out. Do you remember a couple of years ago, Clemson had a kid that was a five-star that I think got beat out by Trevor Lawrence. I think his name was Hunter Johnson. And I think he went to Northwestern, and I don't want to use the word flop, but I don't think we ever heard from him. Or if we did, we didn't hear very much from him. So there's no guarantees that the five – There's usually there's a reason when a five-star wants to leave. Now, Jalen Hurts wanted to leave Alabama because Tua was there, and that was a bonus for, for OU. And Justin Fields clearly was not happy at Georgia, probably for a number of reasons. And at the top of it is that Kirby Smart's an idiot. To not play him right away over the Fromm kid has to rank as one of the dumbest decisions of the last 10 years by a major college coach. But I digress. But I'm saying my point is that I just don't know. You're really holding your breath if you think Penn State's going to find somebody better in the transfer portal than what they have. I just think it's on, it's on Penn State's coaching staff to get these guys more consistent, to play to their strengths and maybe not expose them. They had Clifford throwing the ball way too much. They were behind a lot early in the season, and they paid for it. And I just think that they got smarter about it as the season went on when they played some teams that weren't maybe as good, and they didn't have to throw the ball as much. They were more balanced. And maybe that is the secret to getting better play, Greg, from the quarterback position. But, yeah, they got four guys. I'm sure they're not done, and I'm sure it's going to get interesting to say the least. We still don't know where Antonio Shelton's going, I believe. I keep seeing some stuff on him on Twitter about how he's happy, and I'm glad that he is, but that's another underrated loss, I think, for the Penn State defense, but we'll see. All I know is we're we're almost three-quarters of the way through 
this sucker, the first blue-white breakdown of 2021. I'm Bob Flounders, talking with Greg Pickle. We've touched on some recruiting news. We've touched on Tariq Castro-Fields, the veteran corner's decision to return to Penn State. We've dug a little bit into the transfer portal. But I think it's probably important, Greg, to get to some uh, specifics for anyone who's just listening or watching for the first time. We value uh, your input, what you think we can do better, questions, comments, where you can find us. Uh, we're still mapping out a strategy, Greg, for how we're going to do these podcasts in the offseason. We have to incorporate that rascal Dave Jones into some of these, and I'm sure that we will. But, Greg, what else do we need to tell the audience about viewing or listening to the second year? I guess technically this starts the second year of the Penn State Blue-White Breakdown. Yeah, Bob, you're right. Uh, obviously, you can find it wherever you get your audio and podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, some other uh, places as well. So keep an eye out for new episodes. Hopefully, once we get to, through the start of January, we'll be pumping out two episodes a week that mm-hmm. are longer in addition to Dustin Hawkins-Smith's five-day-a-week uh, daily updates. So stay tuned for that. And, of course, the video is always available at youtube.com slash State. So. You can check us out there and all of our footage from past years and games and all that good stuff as well. All right. So uh, actually, we're rolling right along. I'm looking at our little timer. That's my one of my New Year's resolutions is to have a timer on this sucker so the people who produce it don't have to uh, deal with like a 40-minute blue-white breakdown, maybe half that. But Greg, we're not leaving until we talk about the national championship game and get our thoughts. I thought Clemson was better than Ohio State, and after about a quarter of watching that semifinal, it was fairly clear that that take was a bad one. Greg, I'll just say this. I thought when I watched Ohio State play Penn State early in the year, that was Penn State's home opener right after they lost, that gut-wrenching loss to Indiana. If you remember in that game, Greg, you were sitting, well, we were social distancing, and we had masks on. We were sitting fairly close to each other, but... Ohio State opened the game on offense, and Greg, before we could take a second breath, they scored. They scored. The first play went for like 65 yards. I think it was Garrett Wilson on a reverse, and they scored in three plays at 75 yards. And honestly, Greg, I got the feeling the rest of the game, Ohio State was bored with Penn State. I think they knew they had them. I think they knew they out-athleted them. They built an early lead, and in the second half, they just kind of they just kind of went through the motions, and I think Ohio State that did that a couple of times this year. Second half against Rutgers, second half against Indiana. Then they dealt with some COVID issues, but Greg, it looked like they were pretty healthy, and it looked like they were focused for the whole game against Clemson. The fact that Dabo ranked them number eleven on his final ballot probably did not help Clemson's chances. Dabo might want to think long and hard about ever doing that again. But, Greg, man, Ohio State looked like clearly the better team in the second half. There was nothing fluky about it. Your thoughts on what you saw from them? Alabama handled Notre Dame. And then just your thoughts on what the national championship game might look like uh, for you the better. And also in terms of, is it wrong to think this is not going to be the first one to get into the 50s is going to win this game? Yeah, I mean, obviously – both these teams can put up points and they can play a little bit of defense too. They wouldn't be here otherwise. So I guess what the line opened at seven, it's now Alabama eight and a half. The total actually dropped a point to 75 and a half. I know you're a big fan of the over in this game and also Ohio state. 
We right. really, in the, we very much agree disagree on the side of this game. I think we both like the total, but you know, Ohio State really beat up Clemson, and I don't think we're ever going to be able to put our finger on quite what it meant for Clemson to be without its offensive coordinator. Because it looked to me, Bob, that they were going to be the better team. And then once they got off script, they didn't really have any answers. And Ohio State just kind of suffocated them then for the last, you know, 45 minutes of that game. So, you know, I don't know if things would have played out any differently had that Clemson not had that issue. But, yeah, ultimately, Ohio State has earned its way to this point. You know, uh, you and I were doing podcasts back in June and July and August when Justin Fields and Ryan Day and the group at Ohio State were pounding the table for the Big Ten season to come back because they knew they had a special enough team to make the college football playoff title game. And here we are now in the uh, first week of 2021. And sure enough, that's where they find themselves. So, you know, I do think that obviously they are a very talented team. I, I just I know. And again, I know we completely disagree on this, but I just can't cannot see Ohio State keeping pace with Alabama. Alabama just blows everybody out. I think Devonta Smith is going to run circles around Sean Wade, the Ohio State corner, after winning the Heisman Trophy, of course. And I could very well see this being a contest where Ohio State keeps it close for the first half, but does not find a way to keep pace after halftime. Of course, there have been some Alabama games this year where they get up big at halftime and then come out in the third quarter and look like they have absolutely no idea what they're doing. To your point, I think sometimes it's boredom, but yeah, I, I like Alabama big in this matchup, but Ohio State, certainly, I don't agree with Dabo. They've actually absolutely earned their way to this game. Yeah. Greg, I'll just say this. Do we know if the SEC outside of Alabama was any good this year? That's a fair point, Bob. That is a fair point. I know that Florida had a bunch of guys opt out before that game against OU, but seeing that quarterback opt out of that game, and I just, I don't know, and I, I don't think the SEC fared very well. In some of the bowl games, I know that Texas A&M, who wanted to be in as one of the four best teams, played very well against North Carolina team in that in that bowl game. I think Carolina was a little shorthanded. I know A&M is a good team. I just think that well, I don't. Kentucky I, didn't cover Bob. I just think that Ohio State is not intimidated by Alabama. I just think that Justin Fields is an athlete that when he's pretty focused and he's got his receivers. You saw what he could do against Clemson. Your point about Clemson not having its OC might have some weight. I just thought that at the line of scrimmage, I was surprised how Ohio State handled Clemson, not just their offensive line, but their defensive line. Their defensive line did a, did a number on Penn State's offensive line in that game that we saw in week two. And I just wondered, Greg, it could be a blessing that Master T got banged up for Ohio State because then they got a they got a chance to take a long look at Trey Sermon. And, I mean, he, he to me, looks like he's clearly better than Master Teague. And I just, you know, it just it's just one of those things that I could see this game absolutely being a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. I think that Ohio State's been tested a little bit more than Alabama. You're right about the Bama offense. But I, I want to see what happens. It looks like Mac Jones hasn't been hit all year. He just sits back there. And he, those receivers do what they want to do. But I don't know that Notre Dame pressured him once in that semifinal. If that's the case in the championship game, then Alabama's going to win. But if Ohio State can get pressure on him with their front four, if he can look a little uncomfortable, we'll, we'll see what he can do. 
He's not nearly as mobile as Justin Fields. So I think it could be a very good game. I think eight and a half, you got to take Ohio State. I, I'm a big believer in taking a shot with them on the money line as well. I think they might be the best team. I think I've, I said so quite a bit on Twitter uh, after I had a couple cocktails on Friday uh, as I was enjoying New Year's Day getting out of 2020. I think it's going to be a really good game. I can't wait to watch it. Who knows? Maybe I'll watch it with you now that there's been some restrictions lifted in uh, the state of Pennsylvania. But I do think the over, even though it's not in a dome, it's going to be warm weather. I think that over is something you got to take a swing at. I know games usually get a little bit more tight with the championship at stake, but boy, I, I just think it's going to be it's going to be a struggle for both defenses, Greg. I agree with you. I can't wait to talk about it. Can't wait to see it play out, and we'll see who is right. Sorry about Kentucky, but Greg, you know what? There's always another weekend. There's always another weekend at hand, and I'm sure you'll take advantage of this one. Any final thoughts here on our blue white breakdown? Our first one. 2021. Anything you want to leave your growing audience with, whether it's recruiting wise, something to watch for, something you really like, anything to hold them over until we meet again? Yeah, I would just say this, Bob. I think you can expect the Penn State news cycle to kind of be like a a leaky faucet where it's not going to drip very fast. It's not going to be a fire hose pace, but I think we will see news pop up over the rest of this week and next, be it transfer portal news in a good way and in a bad way. Maybe uh, we get word from Jahan Dotson and Rashid Walker one way or the other. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a, a ton of news coming down the pike. But I think there'll be enough to keep everybody interested as we get into the start of January. All right, guys, that's it for the Blue White Breakdown, the first one of 2021, the first of many. Have a great weekend. Enjoy that national championship game. And we will talk about it with you early, hopefully early, next week. 